Okay, let's rethink. Before we fire people, let's rethink what we would do. Before we hire way too many people, let's rethink what we might do such that it's not uh, a knee-jerk reaction that's overdone if something happens unexpectedly. Let's rethink things that we're doing today, Alex, that we don't need to be doing, but we're doing them because we've always done it that way. Now's the time to be doing that. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we just help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Today, I get to share a conversation with you that I had with Mike Valatin. Mike is someone that's just been a dear friend, a mentor, and a leader that I so deeply respect for years now. And I can confidently say that he has has had a massive impact on my perspective of personal growth, leadership, business, and faith. He's someone whose perspective and insight and opinion I just so value. And that's why I wanted to share this conversation with you today. Because today, I really wanted to dive into the topic of the uncertain times that we find ourselves in. Because I'm sure you're aware of this, geopolitically, domestically, and economically, these are some pretty wild times. And it looks as though things could get more turbulent. And I think it would be wise for us as leaders to expect that things will get more turbulent. And so within that, what I wanted to get my Mike's perspective on is how do we make sure that we're putting ourselves in order? And then beyond ourselves, how do we make sure we're putting our teams in order? And then beyond our teams and ourselves, how do we make sure we're structuring our business in order so that the entity, the enterprise that we're responsible for is prepared for the storm that's ahead? And and so this doesn't need to be a depressing conversation. It just needs to be a realistic and hopeful conversation about what can we actually control today. And Mike's advice and practicality of what he talks about here is just so strong and so good. So it's in that context that before we jumped into all of those tactics and tools and principles, I just wanted you to get a snapshot of what Mike is walking through in his life right now, because I think that helps frame the entire conversation. So here's my conversation with Mike Valentin. My wife and I, Jenna, we've, we retired a little over a year ago and we've been traveling the country. Uh, we picked the absolute worst time to do that, right? As, as, uh, <laughs> As inflation has gone up 10% uh, across the country, as we all know, but inflation in travel has gone up about 30 or 35 or 40%. So we've been really challenged. We're in a season of a little bit of uncertainty. So we know what we're going to talk. We're living what we're talking about here today, Alex. Um, there's uncertainty in our plan, right? We have a plan to to travel the country and the world for a year to two years and then and then, and then land in, uh, in Hawaii. That's, that's our goal. We believe that's God's mission for us, and our mission field is out there. But, but as, as, as such, uh, with, with the economy being a little bit uncertain, with inflation going through the roof, uh, we are, uh, we've traveled for a year. We've had a blast, uh, gone all over the country, gone down into Mexico, all the way out into Hawaii, We've had so much fun, but we're gonna we're gonna anchor here in in San Clemente, California, for a year and uh, and do some ministry out here while we while we watch and, and see what's happening with uh, with the economy and inflation and everything else that's going on. And uh, we're gonna get rooted in community out here, and so we're really excited about that. And it's a little bit of an audible, 
Uh, it's something that I, I, I know your, your business leaders are, 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 are used to. And that is you, not everything goes exactly to plan, but it's an audible. And we're still on the, the, the game plan. It's just a slightly different course to get there. I, I love your perspective, and this is why I was so excited to talk to you about this specific topic today, because you literally say, you know, it's a it's a challenging time, and you say that with this huge grin across your face. You say, it's a really challenging time, and so I always feel like your way, and, and I've felt this way about you since I've known you, like your, your way of perceiving hardship, challenge, changes in plan just feels a little bit different. It doesn't feel like you're hitting panic mode right now. And so I think what we're going to get into some today is what are some of the things that all of us can do from the inside and then moving out to not join into panic mode that is inevitably either already here for some people or coming culturally, but rather just to control the things you can control and trust God with the rest. And so with that, I think what I'd like to do is kind of structure this conversation through the lens of kind of three stages, like what it looks like to put yourself in order in this period of uncertainty, what it looks like to put your team in order and then what it looks like to put your business in order and kind of get practices and principles for each. And so I guess the first question that I'd have is is a little bit of a broad one, Mike, and that's just how do you, when it seems like so much is uncertain and a little bit unstable around you, how do you make sure that you personally are operating from a posture of centered stability when all this is going on? That's that's so good, Alex, because if you don't have that firm foundation, starting with yourself in terms of what you believe and who you are and what you stand for, the, the tides of, of the culture, the tides of the economy can just just bowl you over. And so I would say starting starting with the self, you know, if, if it, it's about what you can do, what you can control and what you shouldn't be doing. Right. If I looked right now at the at the uh, size of my portfolio and if I looked at the uh, as as, you know, how much money I have in the bank as my uh, my measure of how I'm doing, I would be a nervous wreck. Right. Because because the stock market's in a completely different sp- space right now than it was you know, last October. Um, uh, but that's not who I am, right? That's not who Jenna and I are. Yes, it's it's concerning, and I've got to watch it and take care of it. But that's not who I am. And so it starts with making sure you know who you are and whose you are, and and also understanding uh, what your purpose is right now. Uh, I know I have a, a plan, right? I've got a plan. How I get there, I, some of it I can control. Right? I can control some of my expenses, and we'll talk about that, and my spending. I can control uh, what it is uh, that I focus on, right? I could, you know, I could spend every morning just sitting looking at the stock market and watching it go down every day, and then, and then boo-hoo all day. But instead, I'd rather put my nose in the Bible and, and talk about how great and faithful our God is. Instead, I want to take a look at those things I can control and focus on those things. So I really do think it starts with your, your, the person folks saying to themselves, what am I going to focus on? And who am I? And whose am I? Right? Who am I? I'm a child of God. Whose am I? I'm, I'm, I am God's. He's not going to forsake me or, or forget me. And, uh, and, and yes, there might be some audibles or some changes in the plan, 
but but that doesn't change. And so that's really what I'm focusing on and and being willing to go where God wants me to go instead of focusing on woe is me, the stock market's down, woe is me, and my investments are really, really underwater. Woe is me, you know, I'm not, I'm not in Hawaii as fast as I want it to be. That That's the wrong thing to focus on. So, you know, focus on myself. Mm-hmm. Am I spiritually healthy? Am I Am I staying close to God? Am I dwelling in the house of God instead of dwelling in fear? Right? Am I am I taking care of the temple? Am I am I exercising so that my circulatory system is working well? My muscles are worked out so that I'm not building up cortisol and these other things out of worry. Am I eating right? Am I drinking right? Am I am I hanging around the right people that build me up and love me? And that I can build up and love them instead of hanging around maybe nervous Nellies or people that are focused on things they can't control. Um, am I am I investing in my community, in my church, in my with my neighbors, with my family? Uh, am I spending time with my wife as the primary? My you know my those things I can control. That's what I want to be focusing on and not focus on the things I can't control. Starting with self. Mm, I love that. Okay, so I feel like one of the things you really hit on there was I'm not going to live in ignorance of the things that I can't control, meaning I'm not going to check, I'm not going to not check the stock market at all and just like put my hand, fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 right? I can't hear anything that's going on. So I'm not living in ignorance of that. I'm just not allowing that to set the tone of my day. And so can you speak a little bit to maybe even really practically for you in this season and for the past couple months now, what is the healthy way that you set the tone for your day, right? Like what are the things that when you do these things, you are operating from a posture of centeredness, stability, health, all of that, Mike? Yeah, you know, and I'm a man of routine. So those of you out there that are, routine driven, you'll probably get this. Those that you aren't, uh, okay, this, you might have to just, you know, go la, 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 or something like that. But (laughs) I feel like most people that are listening to this are either, most people that are listening to this are either routine driven or aspire to be routine driven. So I think you're among friends. And so as a result, like the more, the more practical you can get, like the more detailed you can get on what you do, I think that'll be so interesting for people. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, it's pretty straightforward, Alex. I start my day. I don't get out of bed before I pray. I'm in prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Giving, right? God says, God says in first uh, Thessalonians, I believe it is, is that rejoice, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any, it doesn't get any clearer to me. I think that's First Thessalonians five. It doesn't get any clearer. So I'm going to start the day by rejoicing in the goodness of God, by praying with my prayer, giving God my prayer and petitions, and, be, and giving thanks for for those things that I can give thanks. Are starting with I woke up this morning. So I start with prayer. I don't get out of bed until I've had time with God. Number two, when I get out and after I brush my teeth and wash my face, get dressed and do all that stuff, I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to spend a little bit of time in the word to to get to know God a little bit better. So I've got a Bible study that I do real quickly. I've got a journal that I do real quickly that I I just want to set the tone for my head because otherwise I'm a worry wart. I can get into worry. I can just start thinking about 
oh my gosh, my portfolio went down this much. Oh my gosh, I think the current administration made a mistake here. Gas prices went up. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That doesn't help anything. So I started with prayer. I put my nose in the Bible. I'm talking 15 minutes. I've done a journal. Uh, okay, and, and how do you structure that 15 minutes, Mike? For, for me, I, I use an app that just brings up uh, – uh, uh, I use two apps that bring up uh, thought or, 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 or verse of the day, and then it just expands on it. So I use version. You know, pick, pick one, anyone that mm-hmm. you want, but it takes you into a spot. And then I'm reading, a, a, believe it or not, an old, I'm an old guy, so I'm reading a Billy Graham journal that takes you through 365 days through the Bible. And I want, you know, he wrote it in, I would imagine, the, the 60s and 70s would be my guess. And it's just as applicable today, just like the Bible is just as applicable today. So start with a firm foundation of, of some spiritual strength. Then for me, after that, Alex, I, I, I hit the road for... For me, uh, I go work out. Lately, that's been a lot of uh, just aerobic work, and I'm in a place where it's physically beautiful to go. Uh, usually, it's a combination of walking a decent distance, maybe some push-ups, maybe some ab work, certainly some leg work, whether it be air squats or lunges, well, a lot of stretching, and then ending with a little bit of, uh, of yoga, of stretching. Right as an old guy, stretching is nothing better than that. But I, so I started in prayer. I went to the Bible. I then did get a physical workout. I then come back home. I do that outside. I like to be outside. It clears my head. And then uh, I come back home and uh, I, I put on a pot of coffee. I read the news and I prepare to start the day with my bride. When she gets up, I want to have a, uh, some coffee time with her. We're going to talk about a little bit of the news. We're going to plan out our day. And we're going to uh, uh, we're going to just spend some time having breakfast and some coffee, and then when that's done, we then get on about our day. But that's that's a couple hours. That's you know five forty-five to eight thirty. So it's a little bit more than a couple hours. That's a couple hours of just building the base to go and attack the day. Mm. There's a couple things that are shocking and also super noteworthy for me. Uh, the first thing that's shocking is the number of things that you do prior to having coffee. <laughs> I, you and I are very different in that regard. I, I'm like, I, okay, coffee, and then I'm in good condition to be able to pray. And so I admire you in the regard that you do all that stuff before coffee. That's incredible. The second thing that I'm interested in is two things, is the is the workout rhythm every single day? Like, do you do something physically active just about every single day as part of your morning, Mike? It, it is now, Alex, because I'm largely aerobic. I need to work in some anaerobic work. I need to sweat more, Alex. But because I'm not sweating profusely, mm. like I, I, I need to get a rower or I, I can't run right now, Alex, in this season of life. So I need a rower or a bicycle or something where I can sweat. But, but, but because it's just aerobic, I am working out every single day. But that's helpful to know. So like to describe for people, like when you say aerobic work, you're not saying, like you're essentially saying I'm not out of breath every single day. It's just well within my capacity, not really high intensity, correct? That, that's right. That's right. I'm following, a, a, there's a, a, I think it's called, a, the, I think the book is called The Blue Zone or Blue Zones. It's a, it, 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 was, it was a book written a long time ago. It looks at, six to eight cultures around the world, they all live to be 105 to 110 years old, 
and most of those cultures are outside of the United States or most of the developed world, what do they do to live so long and be so healthy? And one of the things that they do is they have a massive amount of aerobic work. They're walking all the time. So one of them I can remember is, is, a, is an area in Costa Rica, which I went and visited. They walk on an average of six to eight miles a day. They have no health care. They've got, you know, they've got dirt floors. They don't even have shoes. They don't have, uh, you, know, you know, all the modern conveniences that we have here. But they, they do a couple things really well. One is that they eat in moderation, mainly because they have to. And number two is they get a tremendous amount of, uh, of aerobic workout in on a daily basis. And these people live on average to be 105 years old with all their teeth and all their hair and, and, and live a healthy lifestyle. And so that was something that's hit home with me. And in this stage of life for me, that's something that I can do that doesn't make my hips get inflamed or my lower back to hurt, and uh, you know, gone are the days where I'm going to be running uh, multiple six-minute miles and then throwing up, you know, 300-pound bench presses because just everything hurts when I do that. So I'm just doing stuff that I can with what I've been dealt, and it works for me. It gets my blood going, Alex. It gets my mind going, and between the spiritual work and then the physical work, and then I sit down and hang out with my wife who should be my priority and is my priority. We spend our day together with some, our morning together with some Java and some food. And then we go attack the day. Then we can go do things or experiences, what have you. But we want to get a firm foundation because if I don't, Alex, if I happen to glance at the news first or read social media first, oh my gosh, I, my heart's palpitating I'm, I'm negative, I'm very pessimistic, and, you know, I'm, I'm really unsettled, and I'm trying to build a base to build from, because I know that God's not going to forsake me or forget me, and no matter what's thrown at us right now, uh, I want to I focus on that first, and then I'll take on the day. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation through such a practical lens, because I, I think that for people listening to this podcast, it's like sometimes I think they could perceive me and just the way that I structure my days right now and the way that my, especially like athletic pursuits look like right now, that it's like that's success. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not succeeding. And it's like, well, I'm also 30 and I don't have a wife and kids right now. And so, yeah, I can go do 50 miles and I can run a business and my hours look a lot different, but it's like, I'm in a different season than you are. And we are in a different season than they are. And so it's really honestly encouraging to hear you as someone that's saying like, 545 is a win for me. It doesn't have to be 4 a.m. Like uh, my workout doesn't have to be me like sweating my brains out. It can be going for a 45 minute walk in the morning. And then also like you watch the news, right? Which it's, you know, there's so much out there that's like, don't even turn that crap on. So I, I guess, can you speak to the value of just being able to define what is success for the season that I'm in and not worrying about what everyone else is doing with regard to their routine and things like that? Yeah, that is so good, Alex. And that's something I'm going to talk about when we get together for the conference in July. Comparison is a stealer of joy. And, and you know, you are made of the image of God, which, which I would say means you're made perfectly the way you're made. And you're supposed to run your ways. You're not supposed to run someone else's race. So as much as I'd like to be Elon Musk, 
and maybe all of his brilliance or as much as I'd like to be Serena Williams and have what 24 majors or whatever the case may be, I'm not them. I'm supposed to run my race. And so in another way of saying that is I need to stay in my lane as, as, as I've been made. But for me, and what I've learned from me is running in my lane in, in, and this goes for you as well, is you've got to get, you've got to get a firm foundation to go attack the day every single day. You know, I would look at you as a 30-year-old business CEO and doing great things, by the way. But, you know, generally speaking, you've got 30 more years of this. So, you know, one of the things you've got to say to yourself is I've got to, I've got to build a base I got to build a foundation that allows me to do that. What's that? 10,000 days? I, I can't do the math in my mind. Maybe 12,000 days. It's a lot of days. That's it's a lot of days. <laughs> so, you know, it's like a sprint, right? You can do a sprint. Maybe you can do two sprints. You can't sprint 50 miles. No one can. Well, you also can't sprint 12,000 days. So if you're trying to do it on your own strength and don't have a firm foundation, you're going to burn out. Done that twice. Not, I don't recommend it. You're going to burn out or your performance is going to go down or you're going to let down one of your major stakeholders, right? You're going to let down your your family or you're going to let down your body's going to let down or your owner's going to let down if you're working for somebody or your employees are going to be hurt because you're going to take your eye off them or God forbid, you're going to take your eye off your customers because the, the, the ship is burning and, uh, and none of that is good. And I'm telling you that from experience as well as, you know, theoretical. Okay. So whenever you get to the point in your day where you do check what the market's doing or you turn on the news and watch the news a little bit, I feel like even if you set a strong foundation for your day, it can be really easy to then just get sucked in to either distraction or towards a really negative narrative of everything that's going on. And then if you're not careful, your whole plan is shot, regardless of how good it was or not. And so how do you make sure, like, I think, I feel like it's the difference between checking the news and watching the news, right? Or checking the markets and just watching the markets. How do you make sure you don't become obsessive? And and do you have any principles or thoughts around that? Well, for me, because I can be obsessed with it and get really negative, I, I, I'm going to check the news, not watch the news, because I've learned, at least for the last period of time, the news has been making their own narrative as opposed to reporting that narrative. And so no matter what you watch, there's, a, there, there's, there's some I'll, – I'll, I'll use the word manipulation, so I don't want to get swept up in that. But I want to check the news, and I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for maybe the high points, but I don't want to be obsessed with the news – and I don't want to be immersed in it. So I need to be made aware of what's going on, but I don't need to be immersed in it, especially if it's, if it's highly negative right now. I don't want to be immersed in it if, it, if, you know, if, it's, if, if it's a great day. It's just a day. And so we're looking for trends. And that's what I would say. I'm looking for news to know what's going on. Today there was something important about Roe v. Wade, if you're, if you're following that an announcement by the Supreme court. That's important to know because that's going to, that's going to influence our culture a little bit, but I don't need to, I don't need to go and spend a lot of time looking at the pros and the cons or what this news agency says about it versus that one. I just need to be made aware of maybe this is why there's going to be a lot of chatter 
uh, in the social media, or maybe this is why I'm going to see some articles that are maybe mean or maybe uh, or whatever. So I just want to be made aware of it. I don't want to dwell in it. What, what do I want to dwell in? in my season of life? I want to dwell in enjoying this day with my beautiful wife. I want to dwell in making sure that I'm connected with my family because I've got the time now, right? My currency is time now. My current, because I'm retired or mainly retired, that might end soon. You never know. But, uh, <laughs> but my currency is time. So I want to make sure I'm spending time with my priorities and not spending time getting caught up in negativity and social media or other things, Alex. So I'm checking the news. I'm not immersed in it. Hmm. Okay, so even what you said right there with like, I'm retired, that might end soon, I don't know. And you mentioned to me earlier, like, I don't know, we might pick up some part-time work just because of the way things are playing out right now. You also chose like one of the most expensive places in the country to spend a year, right? So that might affect that a little bit too. So how are, how do you hold your plans with such a loose grip? Because you're a planner and I've known you for years now and I've known like you've got a plan, but then also when something like this happens... It feels as though it doesn't phase you that much. And you just say, well, that might change and we might do something different than what we plan. In some ways, how do you make sure you don't idolize your plan to such a degree that if the plan gets off, you get You're off? right on. You're right on. And I am that guy. If left to myself, Alex, I am. I make a plan and I idolize the plan. And if it doesn't go exactly to my plan, I'm a nervous wreck. And I, and I take care of that by what we talked about earlier. So I start my day at, at the feet of God. That says, God, you're in control, you're sovereign, it's your plans, and you've told me you're not going to forsake me or forget me. I trust you. Do I really trust you, Lord? I mean, I've been tested with this market. I've been tested with the curveballs that have been thrown at me. So, yes, I do struggle with that, just like anyone else. That's why I've got to start my day on my knees and working out, getting the getting the, uh, you know, the, the right hormones going in my body and the, the, the cortisol out, you know, all the fear-based stuff out. And then, and then keep telling myself, God is sovereign. God's in control. God's not going to forsake me or forget me. Move forward. And so I feel strongly that our strategy, what God wants us to do is set firmly. How we get there, he's going to manage that, not me. I want to be in Hanalei Beach, Kauai right now. That's where I want to be, in a little bungalow there. Instead, I'm in a little tiny bungalow. That's how I manage living in Southern California is live inside of a postage stamp. But I'm not phased at all that the long-term strategy, the goal, the mission that God has given us hasn't changed a bit. How we get there, what the path is to there, that has changed or is changing, and we roll with that. So... Just as I was very excited uh, that I was able to retire a year ago because the stock market a year ago was roaring, I now you know, have to accept the fact that the stock market can go in another direction also, and it has since uh, November 21st uh, when, the, when the market peaked. Not that I'm counting, but I'm aware of it, but I'm, not, <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm aware of it, but I'm not focused on it. I'm focused on being that vessel that God wants me to be, having him use me where I need to be. I'm, I'm never stopped working. I'm always going to be in ministry. I'm always going to be helping people or encouraging people. That's what he has me do. But the path for me to get to where I think I'm going to end up, he's in control. And that's what gives me the peace to handle each day's challenge. And boy, it's been a challenge the last 
I don't know, four or five months. It's been just nothing, nothing similar to my plan, but God's in control. Mm-hmm. And I would say that yeah. for the business owners, Alex, we're talking, you know, we want to help business owners. You start with your own person, get your, get your foundation right, making sure that your priorities are right, right? What does God say in the Bible? God first, wife second, your immediate family third, then we've got work and church, then we've got extracurricular. So I got to make sure I keep my, keep my priorities there. But even that business owner, he's, he's responsible, he or she is responsible. So get yourself right, get your attitude right. For me, it's being on my knees with God and getting some exercise and then making sure I'm taking care of my family and then making sure I'm taking care of my business owners, my employees and my customers. And Mm. and that's what I want to be focusing on and not get caught up in other things such as the negativity in social media or some of the stuff that's happening on the news or things that are outside of my control. That's how I would say you keep your head on straight and allow you as a 30-year-old CEO to do this for 12,000 days in a row and not get burnt out or lose your focus or lose your zeal. That's right. I, I feel like there's two elements in there that are really helpful. Number one is just the, the necessity of aim and the value of vision. Because what I hear you saying is, we, we have something that we are called to, right, that we're moving towards, and that's a, a brighter future. It's this destination in the future. It's not a destination that exists because we can't handle today. Like, I never have gotten the vibe from you of like, oh, Jana and I are miserable today, and therefore we have to be in Hawaii. No, it's more like, oh, Jana and I are thrilled and content and fulfilled today, and therefore we get to go move towards Hawaii, right? Which is awesome. Like, that's such a posture of contentment that is very different than the world. It's like miserable to Hawaii is the world, right? Right, right. It does seem like everyone has in common that they want to be in Hawaii, though. That does seem like one similarity. But but so what you're saying, though, is that, man, we've got that vision. That's been in place for a while. And all of this that's going on right now just represents a change in strategy. Right. Where we're going isn't changing. Just and and maybe it could, but right now it's not. Like we're just shifting the how we're gonna get there. And I think there's a parallel to business with regard to that. Like it felt to me as though the teams that really thrived Uh, and not necessarily financially thrived, but just were able to weather the storm of COVID whenever all shutdowns happened, was the people that already had a clear idea of where their business was going. And they said, okay, well, now we just got to adapt. The people that didn't know where they were going, well, they didn't know where they were going, so they didn't have a clear strategy to begin with. And therefore, like, how do you go from unclear strategy to completely unclear strategy with no clear vision? It just crushes you. Yeah, that's And so have you experienced that, just the value of like, okay, we know the path that we're on, and this just represents a shift. Does that resonate with you? Completely. And that's what keeps me sane. Because, because I'm nowhere near my plan or our plan just that we made a year ago, that we finalized a year ago, Alex. But as we look at it, the fact is this, the, 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 the calling and our mission hasn't changed an iota. Just the path and how we get there has changed and might change a lot. But, but you know, the same thing is true for, I think, a business owner, right? I, I, think, of, I think of fast food. I think, about, I think about what happened with covid and those that they got all businesses shut down with COVID, who, 
who flourished in that time? Well, the Chick-fil-A's and the other businesses that just said, hey, okay, how do we, we, you know, we can't have people in the store. Let's maximize. Let's make it the most efficient to do takeout and delivery and drive-through. And guess what? I've, I know a number of Chick-fil-A business owners that during COVID were exceeding their revenue numbers that they had pre-COVID because they adapted to it. Now, there's still, you know, the, it, there's, there's, they had to change a lot of stuff. Some went from one drive-through line to two drive-through lines. That's buying a lot of equipment and training a lot more people to handle mobile orders. That's bringing in DoorDash and other stuff. That's setting up a pickup area versus an order and sit-down area. There's a lot of change there, but they adapted to it. And why? Because their focus is on their calling and their mission. They are not just married to their tactics to get there. And that's what I would encourage business owners. I hope you have a mission that goes beyond make lots of money or, uh, you know, hire lots of people so I can get comfortable. I hope it's beyond that. All right. And, and as long as you're looking at your May con- con- constituencies, your owners, your employees, and your customers, and taking care of their needs, you're going to do some modifications as life gets thrown at you. That happens, right? But but if you have a strong vision of who you are and what you're trying to accomplish with your firm, uh, you stay focused on that, and you just adapt your tactics in your operations uh, to take you to that end. So that's right. I think you bring up a great. A great example is that's COVID. It, it, it impacted the world, yet some companies are flourishing and some aren't. Mm-hmm. Well, and it kind of goes just to the idea that why do we exist? What do we stand for? And where are we going? Those things are immovable. Like those yeah. things aren't going anywhere, you know, and, and specifically where are we going long term? But how is always up for grabs. Like right. let, let's be very clear. Your strategy, if you're doing this right, your strategy should always be up for grabs if something becomes like if something becomes evident about the marketplace. And and I think the agile businesses over the course of probably the next two to three years are going to be the ones that are really able to seize what's coming, it seems like. Okay, before we move on specifically, and we've kind of gotten there a little bit already, but before we jump into what a leader can do to make sure their team's not operating from a posture of panic, I think it's somewhat related the owner of a business or a leader in the business making sure that they're not operating in survival mode, just hoping they can get by is probably really important in this season. And so is there anything financially that you would advise whenever there's such uncertainty? And I know this is a broad question, but for people's personal finances, is there anything you would say just to make sure that they're operating from a position of health and that also their finances are playing the proper role in their life and it's not something that they're becoming obsessed about. Yeah, you know, th- this is a time where it's really important for you to know the status of your flocks, as the Bible says, right? Know the status of your uh, financial situation. Again, don't dwell in it. We don't need to be we don't need to be mired in the fact that our you know that our, our investment accounts are down and have you, but you should know, you know, where does your bank balance stand right now? Do I have ample cash for my foreseeable needs? Where do I stand, say, on, on all my uh, expenses? Um, you should be looking at, you know, do, do I really need uh, all of my subscriptions that I have right now? Maybe it's a time, now's a time to drop one or two subscriptions because to, just to save a little bit of cash flow. 
Now's maybe a time to know what do I have for outstanding loans? What's my, uh, I might have, I might have my phone on, uh, on credit and I might have a car payment and I might have, I don't know, a, a, a home equity loan. Or I want to know those things because the cost of loans are going up if it's a variable rate um, tool that you're using. So I want to know, you know, where's, what's my cash situation? I want to know where, where, how am I doing on my expenses? How am I, what is, what are my loans look like? What, what does it look like? Is there anything I can be cutting back on? If I, if I don't need to be cutting back now, maybe prioritize what I could cut back on if things get really, really bad. Uh, I prioritize those things. Maybe I can, you know what, I haven't been watching Netflix lately anyway. Maybe the first thing I would do is get rid of my Netflix account, for instance. Or, you know, I haven't been to the gym, God forbid, but I haven't been to the gym in three months. Maybe I'll get rid of the $50 a month subscription or whatever the case may be. But just know the status of those flocks. And then I would just run through your mind, what would you do and what would it feel like if you had to go deep into cutting back? Or the other way, if I had to go deep into make some more money, what would I do? Would I uh, go run Uber? for four hours a week and earn an extra hundred bucks or something like that? Or do it have to be something more substantial? So I'm looking at opportunities to reduce my costs and to increase my, my income if I could maybe. And I want to make sure I know what I've got in the bank and, and what I've, what I've got uh, for outstanding debts uh, such that it should be a surprise to you that you got to deal with this stuff if things get worse or if things get better. Maybe now's the time you've been thinking about buying a new car, but you know what? The one they have right now can work. Maybe now's not the right time to buy a new car because you're just a little bit unsettled where the economy is going. Okay, so maybe I'll hold off on that. Maybe push that out six months and take a look at it again in six months or maybe when your, your current car starts to, to break down or, or, or you, get, you lose confidence. The point is look at where you are and just and maybe make a couple adjustments such that you can sleep well at night knowing, okay, I know where I am and I know what I would do if I have to do something. You know, uh, Jenna and I, for instance, we wanted to be in Paris in, uh, in September and then in Croatia in October. And, and it's, been a, it's been a lifelong dream. Jenna's never been to Paris. I want to take her there, one of the most romantic places on earth. And we've neither one of us been to Croatia, but we've seen Game of Thrones and so we want to go see the Game of Thrones places in Croatia, right? But we just said, you know what, given where we are, and uh, our daughter's getting married in July, right before I see you, we're going to marry her off to a wonderful guy. You know what, we got some travel, we're going to be down in Nashville. You know what, let's push off, for us, we said, you know, let's push off Paris and Croatia uh, for, for another year. We'll do it a little bit later, call an audible, save that money a little bit. We, uh, uh, and we can use that for something else. That's a good way to maybe hedge if the economy gets worse in the next couple months. We could save ourselves, you know, X thousand dollars of expenditures. And it's not like we've been suffering. We've traveled into, what, 40 states and Mexico and all these other places in the last year. So, so yep, it's an audible. But that's what I would tell people on their personal finances. Know the status of your flocks. Maybe prioritize some actions that you either want to do now or maybe later if it gets worse or it gets better. And uh, that way you're not shocked and you're not, you're not dealing, you're not being defensive when you're, when maybe uh, uh, an opportunity or a situation gets put in your lap.
Yeah, man, th- there's there's two things that I love about that answer. Number one is that, well, I guess they kind of go together. We've got kind of a wide variety of business leaders, business owners that listen to this podcast and that are part of our uh, membership, the Path for Growth community. It's like we've got the person that owns small business, one or two team members doing maybe $200,000 in annual revenue a year. And that person's probably already operating scrappy. And it feels like the message you're sending that person is, Keep operating scrappy, stay lean, don't invest in overhead in this season. Now is not the time for that. And maybe just keep an eye on your personal expenses because that person's probably riding a pretty close line that if things were to really tank, they're going to have to make some cutbacks. And if they're not able to make those cutbacks, they're not in a good spot. So I like that it addresses that person. But then we also have the owner of a $200 million company and- I know the people that we get to work with. If things go south fast, the first thing that the leaders that we work with are going to do is they're going to turn off their salary before they lay anyone off. I just know that. I know that's the case. And so what I hear you saying is, hey, maybe anticipate like, okay, what would it look like if I had to turn off that lever for maybe four months, five months, right? Hopefully, hopefully not any longer than that. But what would you do in that situation? Because I think the principle there that I've learned is people experience deep-seated dissonance when their expectations differ from their reality. But when their expectations align with their reality and they get to a spot where they say, okay, I'm going to go two months without paying myself. And they say, okay, I actually, I I wasn't hoping this was going to happen, but I did kind of expect it. Then they're much more able to lead through that. Does that feel right to you? Yeah, I think you're right on. I think you nailed the small business owner perfectly. With a large business owner, I you know there, there's a lot more moving parts. But I would I would I would keep it simple in starting looking at the easy stuff first, and then and then in your mind do an exercise of, of working into the harder stuff. So, for instance, if I got a large business, maybe a distributed business, I know a number of your businesses that have you know multi multiple uh, veterinarian hospitals, for instance, and others, you know, the first thing I would look at is, do, do I want to temper or pull back on my expansion? So we're not going to talk about stopping salaries or firing anybody. We're not going to talk about taking away benefits. We're going to talk about maybe slowing down the expansion. Maybe we're set to hire 10 more people in the next 90 days, and we're going to add two more warehouses, and we're going to bring on uh, three more supply chains, then you say, you know what, let's temper our goals. We still want to be maybe a, a global uh, you know, player or something like that, but maybe we'll go from 10 new hires. Let's ratchet that back. Work with your COO. Let's ratchet that back. Hey, can we get by with five? Can we get back with by with five? And maybe let's not add two warehouses. Let's add one, that one we desperately need. And then, and then let's um, maybe cut back a little bit here, a little bit there on expansion or, or new things that we want to bring on. It's okay that we make a modification or take an audible on a, on a goal, given that there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Because there are people right now saying that businesses might shrink 20 more percent if everything goes bad, with oil keep going through the roof and the war keeps going on and we can't get a handle on inflation. Oh my gosh, right? Well, let's prepare for that. Maybe we slow down on some of that expansion. Maybe we change some of our 
interim goals, doesn't change our mission or our calling, but maybe we change because the environment has changed. That's number one. Number two is now is a great time for that business leader that has maybe a big network or a big organization. Now's the time to invest relationally into your three stakeholders, your owner, your owners, your employees, and your customers. You start loving them with your words, maybe as more as a replacement for loving them with more expenditures or loving them with maybe faster growth or what have you. Now's a time to go to your employees and say, hey, a lot of uncertainty out there. If you watch the news or social media, a lot of uncertainty. I want you to know I love you. I appreciate you and everything that you do. I know I might have told you we're going to expand 10 more people in this example, but you know what? We're looking at maybe expanding five more people or two more people just because there's a little bit of uncertainty. But I want you to know you, you matter to this business. You are important to me and my wife. You matter to this business, and I want to take care of you. And so I'm going to be a little bit more cautious right now so that I can take care of our flock. Okay? You might want to go to the owners and say, hey, owners, I know I told you I was going to double the business in, I don't know, X number of days, weeks, months, whatever the really impressive goal was. I'm going to just take a slight pause right now. I'm no less excited about our market or our business or our mission but I've got a pause in my spirit right now only because of the chatter around us that the economy could be going down. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to, I just, I, I, I've got some new numbers for you that I want to go over. I want to get you on board on that, but I want to let you know I'm just as committed to the business, but, but in and, and our long-term goals, I just want to take a pause so we don't have to do something drastic six, nine, 12 months from now. And then the same thing with our customers. I know you've, you know, I love you. I love you. You are important to us. And so I just want to let you know, I know I told you I was going to expand here and here. I might, I might back off on that expansion. I'm no less excited about our, our, our business that we're doing at all or the division we're going. I just don't want to get overextended given that there's some uns more uncertainty now than there was six months ago and certainly 12 months ago. So I want to take care of those stakeholders. That's what I would do. And... And in the privacy of your inner circle, have the discussion if things go really bad or if things turn around faster than we think, what would we do in what order so that we're not surprised when or if that day comes? Because we don't want to be working out of panic. We want to be working out of a thought through plan as much as we can that supports our calling and our mission. Yeah, th that's really helpful. I want to park on the communication with team members. I mean, this is this is not your first rodeo with uncertain times, right? I know you were working with several organizations whenever COVID hit in 2020 in more of a consultative role. But then I also know um, I knew you in 2008 and when you were in a leadership role in an organization. I know you were in a leadership role in a different organization in 2001, right? Whenever 9-11 occurred and every all of the panic around that occurred. So from all of your experiences with regard to downturns, uncertainty, panic, things like that, what can a leader do with regard to their communication to inspire realistic confidence in their team? So not delusional 
uh, delusional security, right? But just realistic confidence, like we're all adults, we can handle this. What can a leader do to make sure their team is operating from that position? Yeah, I think you're right on it, Alex. And there's a lot you can do with your words and your actions that cost nothing, right? But, but mean the world. One is keeping up the communication and letting, letting each of your primary stakeholders know how important they are to, to you as a person and to the, and to the calling or mission of that, of that business, okay? They need to know that. And, and they also need to know that it's, it is an uncertain time and it could go down or it could get better. We're hoping for it to get better. We're going to hope for it to get better. We're going to plan for it to get worse. It's a lot easier to do it that way, right? We're going to hope it gets better. Do some planning if it gets better quickly, but we're going to plan to get worse. We know that if it got really worse, it's going to impact people, mainly your team. It could impact your team members, but, but because we love you and because we value you, we're going to do everything to protect what we have and to take care of the people we know and love. That's our customers, our employees, and our, and our owners. And I think you need to look them in the eye and say, we're going to ride this out together. And, 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 and I think you can ask your team members to step up. For instance, in that example where we were going to hire 10 new people, we, can't hire, we don't want to hire 10 new people right now because that could overextend us. We're going to hire five more people. And in the interim, I'm asking you guys to do just a little bit more in this area to make up for the people we didn't, we're not going to hire. Can you do that for me? I think that's worth it. I think that's worth it to the people to say, you know what, there is going to be a little bit more work. I'm going to ask you to keep working harder. I know you're working your tail off right now. I am going to ask you to do a little bit more of that because I want you to keep your job. And I don't want to be in a position six months from now if, if the economy tanks where I've got to be cutting you from your job. I think you'd rather work a little bit harder for a little longer than lose your job. Of course, the answer is yes, I think. Now, I'm not taking my eye off the ball that we're going to hire as we can or we're going to put in better procedures or better processes or systems. Absolutely. But right now, we're going to just – we're going to have – we've got to check in our spirit about what could happen. So we're going to be just a little bit prudent. And um, I think I think using those words, I think, you know what, I think the, this would be a great time for those business owners to say, I'm asking you to work a little bit more, harder, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to play the role. I was going to, I'm making this up. I'm going to play the, I was, I was going to hire a person to do this X. I'm going to do that role in the time being because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to invest that money right now, but, but I'm going to, but I, but, but I'm part of the team as well. And I got to pick up some slack some more as well. And, and uh, another thing that it, whenever there's uncertainty like this, it's better to over-communicate than under-communicate. The only thing that I would say was I would be really truthful in what you over-communicate. You can say, I hope things get better, but be, be truthful for them that if they're not getting better or, or you're going to you know, move in, a, in another direction, be truthful with them. But now is a great time to over-communicate because those of us that have gone through the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, or, or gone through 9-11 in 2001, or, or the, the real estate crash in 87, and I can think, I can think of several more. You've been through that. You don't want to be telling people, everything's great. We're going to get through it super. And then the next day, you're firing 50% of your staff. That is, you just lost their trust. And you're going to end up losing, even people that you don't fire, they're going to leave because they just, man, that guy, that person misled me. 
and I don't want to work in an organization where they mislead. And so the first opportunity I can't have to leave and go do something else where I trust the person more, I'm going to jump at it. So those are the things that I would say. It's it's your words and your actions right now and uh, being really, really truthful, being really, really honest, doing a lot of planning behind the scenes. You don't need to be doing panic planning in front of your people, but with your inner circle, you should be looking at, okay, what happens if the market does cut back 20%? You know, what happens if we do go into a recession? Or, you know, I remember, Alex, when uh, home interest rates were 15%. My first home was, my mortgage rate was 15%. I was so thrilled to refinance that at 13%. Uh, (laughs) A year later, that's a true story that, right? So I know what that's like and what that does to you, how far your dollar can go. So you don't want to mislead people if we were going that direction, but you want to be open and honest with them and highly communicative. Well, and for me, I always view a great definition of humility as to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself. And I feel like what you're describing is humble leadership because you're not portraying the image of Superman that can control everything. You're also not portraying the image of a psychic that can see the future. You're just saying, hey, here's what I think might happen. Here's what I hope does happen. But here's what we know right now. And I think oftentimes leaders overextend themselves when they start speaking with certainty about things that are incredibly uncertain. Yeah. And, that's and really I think that's works. where, like you said, you, you're not intending to break trust. You're, you're trying to inspire confidence in people. But I think in some ways, just thinking about this as I'm talking, you're inspiring confidence in the wrong thing. You're right. inspiring confidence in you. And man, I, most of the people that we talked to on this podcast probably agree with us. And that like the, the real win is to inspire faith and confidence in God. And, right. and so if people look up saying, oh man, that CEO, they've got this all figured out. Thank God for that. That's probably not right, right? It's probably like, hey, we are all doing the best we can with what we've got to work with. And thankfully, we all trust God that he's ultimately sovereign and in control. That is so good, Alex. And the, and the thing that I would reiterate on what you just said that I think is so true is many times we, we exaggerate or we make promises because we want, we want to bless the people. We think in our minds, we want them to feel good. We don't want them to feel the, the, the angst or we want them to be happy or whatever the case may be. And, and we're actually doing them a disservice. I have found instead of misleading them to make them feel good about themselves or that they're okay, you just need to be empathetic with them through your communication. Uh, there's certain things you can control and can't control, but you – you just be empathetic with their, where they are and, um, and what they're feeling and just say, we're going to do this together and I love you. I value you and what you bring to this, to this mission that we have. And that's the best I can give you right now. But I promise you we're going to go through this together. That will do it instead of saying, no, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be clairvoyant and I know what's going to happen. Let your worries be gone. You know, no, that, that's, that, that's, you can't control it all as much as you'd like to. So that's really good advice. Well, and I think people know like, okay, I'm not going to tell them like I can predict what's going to happen in the economy. I, I don't think many people are going to be doing that. But what I could see them doing is portraying the image of it's all good and I'm all good. Right. And I think 
what is healthy. No, you don't need to turn your team into your therapist where you're just falling apart emotionally right. in front of them trying to figure right. this out, right? Your therapist is your therapist, right? But yeah. but I think it's okay for you to say, hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit concerned about this. It's definitely been on my mind, but here's what I do know and what I'm doing with what I know. Right. And here's where the business is at. And man, I just trust that person way more rather yeah. than someone who can't deal with talking about reality. That's and, right. And man, Mike, I read something this morning. I can't remember. I think it was Jordan Peterson that he was saying it's way better to treat people as competent adults than people who need to be protected from reality. Right. Because it's like, really, right. you're going to protect them from reality? Like, good right. luck with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really feel too great about you being successful in that. That's right. Well done. Okay, let's talk about some practical things with regard to the business. You, you kind of highlighted personally know the status of your flocks. Within the business, I know we were talking before we hit record. You said, man, it would be really good just to be paying attention to trends. And then also kind of, again, the same principle as personal finances, keeping your thumb on the pulse of the finances of the business, but not being obsessed with it. So can you speak to the proper role of the leader within this season with how they're managing the finances and operations of their business and what they should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think, you know, it, you, you, you nailed it. We need to know the trends. We're, we're, we're obviously looking at the business. So we'll be looking at revenue. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, net income. We'll be looking at, um, you know, uh, business acquisition. We'll be looking at uh, financial commitments. I want to be looking at any outlays that I have that are firm commitments in the form of notes and stuff like that. We want to be looking at that, but we, we want to be doing two things at the same time. Uh, we want to be in, instilling into our team that we're still all missions, you know, all systems go on our mission and calling. Okay, we're we're still we're still in the business to satisfy customers. We're still in the business to do all these things. Okay, but we want to be aware that things can change. There's only so much we can control, and some that we can't control. So I want to make sure that we're not going to bite off more than we can chew. Should the current situation get worse? So what is that? I'm looking at what are our long-term commitments in terms of debts. What does our money line look like right now? Do we have ample cash flow? Do we have ample ac uh, access to cash uh, or a money line if we need to tap into that? Uh, what are our long-term commitments coming up? Do we have any, you know, are we about to sign some, you know, 10-year leases for buildings that we may not need if the business were to go down by 10 or 20%? Maybe we want to revisit that or revisit the timing of that. That's what I want to know. I'm looking to make sure I understand one of my variable expenses and one of my fixed expenses, and what can I what can I move from one category to the other should business go down or go up. And so that's something you do with your inner circle that can handle a discussion that says, "Hey, we're not going to hire those ten people," or can handle, "Hey, I'm not going to bring on that 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 new warehouse," or maybe more importantly, like with your CFO. Hey, I want you to go get another money line. I want you to go get a $10 million or $5 million money line just in case we need to tap into more money if we go cash flow negative for a period. Because I don't know what this is going to look like. If, uh, if the economy is tanking because of the Ukraine uh, conflict 
and, and its impact on supply chains. Well, do we know when that's going to end? We have no idea. It could be another day. It could be another year. It could be five years. So you know what, CFO, go get us another money line. I know I know loans are expensive, but, but I want to have that money available should we need it. Stuff like that, Alex. Well, and, and it feels like what you're talking about there is – from a very logical perspective, from a very uh, non-emotional perspective, like evaluating what are the possible threats that could happen down the future and uh, plan. This is what I've had to learn. There's a difference between planning for those threats and worrying about them. Right. And so create like worrying is not like that literally does nothing. Right? <laughs> like it doesn't help anything now, pl- but, but, Worrying is not operating in faith. Planning is operating in faith. And so what I've had to learn is you should put all the threats on a whiteboard, essentially. And this is what we did with our leadership team. And then you're always operating in the realm of probabilities anyway. So now the probabilities are just a little bit more high stakes. Maybe make some educated guesses on what you think are going to happen and start marshalling your resources in such a way that you would be able to counter that threat instead of just being surprised whenever it shows up. Does that feel right? Right on, right on Alex. That's exactly right. We need to cast our cares onto God because not only does worrying not help, it actually hurts. It really, it, it really muzzles your creativity. It muzzles your uh, verbal and nonverbal communication. And it, and it muzzles your ability to connect with people because you're in your own head. You're in your own heart of the worry. So we want to cast our cares on God and, we want, and then go plan. And, you know, you're going to do that at the, at the right level. And you have to have the tough discussions about what would we do if it went really, really south. But, but you're doing that out of love so that you can do, it, do whatever you have to do in the right way, with the right attitude and at the right time. Because when you're doing it in the panic mode, it's probably not at the right time and you're probably going to overdo it. You know, I lived through uh, 9-11. Right? I lived through the tech crash of 99, you know, 2000. And then I lived through 9-11 and I lived through these things where the markets crashed, where economies crash. And I was certain, like, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, it's not, oh my, the sky is falling. Well, it, it is. But in the long run, I think if I could have kept my head better, I, I might not have made as many drastic or draconian decisions that I might have I made. I, I, I might have handled it better. I might have led better if I cast my cares on a God but, but had a plan and then, and then worked off a plan. Can you speak specifically on that? Like when you say drastic or draconian, like m- maybe it sounds like you over-indexed on aggressive action as a yeah. result of those fallouts. Yeah. What what specifically did you do? And maybe looking back, what would you do differently or what was the lesson? I, I think we over, to be specifically in the tech crash, I think we overhired. I think we, I think we, we got very giddy in the, in the, in the excitement of business just going through the roof that we wanted to overhire and over, you know, get warehouses and supply chains because the sky's the limit. We're going to grow at parabolic or exponential growth forever. That's ridiculous, right? So we overhired on the good times and then we overfired in the bad times. And that's extreme, and so uh, we probably overhired by uh, 35% a third, 
and we probably overfired by 50%, right? Because the response has to be bigger than the, than the initial action. And so I lost good people because I was in a panic situation and I never want to do that again. I'd rather go to people and beg forgiveness that they're a little bit overworked, but they've got their job than, than overhire and say, I'm going to make you know, your job easy and we're going to continue with this exponential growth. It's never going to end, dumb. And uh, right, we're going to grow at you know, 89% a year forever. Well, you do the math in about year four, you're a $5 billion business. Are you really going to grow to 50 billion, you know, three years? No, the, 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 the market cap is probably, you know, 10 billion. So we're at, we're at half, we got half the market already and we never put our eye on it. That was dumb. So we, we overhired and then we overfired. And that's something I never want to do again. And um, it's okay to be a little bit slow on that because you're saving people you're saving people. You're saving good people. And um, that, that's, that's the first thing that I, that I think about. Because look what happened, right? If you go back 20 years to the tech bust, the tech bubble, or you go back uh, 10, 12 years to the, the, the financial bubble, uh, business roared back over time. And they, you needed to hire again. And, and so we, it wasn't the end of the world and we were going to stay there. It was just – it was – you know, it was temporary, whether that be three months, six months, or, or two years, but it was fairly temporary. So it really hurt our business, and it hurt our capital as leaders because we, we had to overreact. Mm. That, I think that's one of my big takeaways from this conversation is just aligning expectations with reality. And what does the Bible tells us? Well, Ecclesiastes says that there's a season for everything, right? right? And that things are going to go up and that things are going to be, go down. There's a season for crying, right? It says like there's a season for mourning, right? Like there's going to be a season for loss and grief and, and sadness. And, and it doesn't even say that that's wrong. It just says that that is, right? So we should probably anticipate that. And therefore, we're not thrown for a loop whenever that happens because the ability to, I mean, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So just being able to say like, man, this is tough. This is hard, but God is good. Uh, or, or this is tough. This is hard. And God is good is probably right. the proper right. the proper grammar right. there. And, and so it, it's just having those expectations. But then the other thing that comes to mind, anytime I talk to someone who is in business in 08, 01, 87, who's been through this, and certainly people saw this in COVID as well. You know, it's that principle that constraints are the breeding ground for creativity. So let's let's talk about that for a minute, Alex, because, yeah. the, the, you know, if I were do it over again, if I were do it over again, uh, it, it really is an opportunity because the systems and processes that we put in because we couldn't hire more people because of the situation that was that was actually that 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 improved not only our culture, but our productivity. And it, it really is an it really is an option to rethink our business. We might have thought that we were going to grow by just hiring more people. Maybe the right way to grow in this case is hire a few more people, but love on the people we have really well so they're more productive and give them better tools. So I love that you brought that up because that really is the silver lining in this gray cloud is okay, let's rethink. Before we fire people, let's rethink what we would do. Before we hire way too many people, 
let's rethink what we might do such that it's not uh, a knee-jerk reaction that's overdone if, if, if something happens unexpectedly. And there's one more that I want to put in there, and that is <clears throat> let's rethink things that we're doing today, Alex, that we don't need to be doing, but we're doing them because we've always done it that way. Okay. I, I can think of a lot of things that we don't need to be doing that anymore because there's a better tool or, or because they, it, that's just obsolete. We don't need, but we've been, since we've been doing it so long, no one's questioned it. We can get a whole bunch of productivity back, and that's another person we might not have to fire if it goes bad, or that's another whatever the case may be. So I love that. Now's the time to be doing that. That's right. And I mean, like, yeah, should we really be that upset that the question we're now having to answer is how do we do more with less? Like we probably should have been asking that question already anyway. And so now we should just have a pretty strong burr in our saddle with regard to efficiency. Like how can we, how can we create more value for the customer with less resources Uh, And and I just feel like that is the reason why you see so many wildly successful organizations and businesses come out of recession. Yes. Like, I mean, the list of companies that came out of 2008, it's just mind boggling. Yes. And it's because they had to be outrageously, incredibly scrappy and creative. Yes. um, On the other side of that. So good. The, the other thing that kind of stands out is like, okay, businesses exist to meet needs, solve problems, and serve people. Well, man, this should just be an entrepreneurial playground. Like, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's there's going to be so many problems that need to be solved and so many people that need to be served. Like if you just, if you are not operating from survival mode, but have your act together personally, you're prayed up and you're doing your work within your team, you should be able to keep your eyes open and be like, oh my gosh, how can we go help people? Because people really need help right now. That's right. That's right. And those people are, you know, <clears throat> customers, employees, owners, as well as our, our own communities. So we need to, it's permission to rethink what we do and how we do it. It's permission to challenge the status quo and keep it in the right light. We're going to, we're going to challenge the status quo such that we don't have to do some knee jerk reaction. Should something happen that's out of our control, i.e. the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the Ukrainian war uh, with Russia, or I should say the, uh, the naked aggression of Russia on, on Ukraine spreads. We can't control that, Alex. And that might impact our business and our economy. So let's give ourselves permission to rethink things. And, you know, I'm thinking about um, some businesses that I've been working with lately where they, because of COVID, they had to rethink how they do customer service on the back end. In other words, customer service, uh, product registration, uh, problem solving, they had to rethink it. They couldn't afford to have rooms and rooms of people all over the world, you know, even in India and China, taking phone calls all dying during the hours of the day and night. They had to rethink it. They went to a little bit of technology and they went to a change process. And, it, and, and, and so, the, so the unforeseen thing, COVID, really let them – improve their process and actually reduce their costs, which was a wonderful opportunity as it turned out. And I think now's the time to be thinking that through if something, you know, about how we can rethink our business a little bit or our processes a little bit. That's right. And I mean, I think that's a good message 
to, in the proper way, with correct, confident communication, voice amongst team members that can handle it. it I mean, there are just so many factors you've mentioned to it. You've mentioned it geopolitically. Things are, I mean, pretty wild and could get even more hairy. Economically, things are pretty wild and could get really bad. And then also, like, we saw how the last election went. That didn't turn out so great. So culturally and politically here domestically, like, things could get really bad there as well. And so it's not hurting anyone just to talk about the fact that that stuff could happen. And I right. think sometimes people are like, oh, I, I like, let's, why would we talk about that? That's depressing. It's like, well, it's probably better to talk about real, even though it might be a little bit depressing and just say, we can handle that. Let's just deal with reality. And so yeah. just setting expectations so that people aren't just blindsided yeah. and, and just lambasted whenever this stuff happens, because yeah. if it's not those things, if it's not those things, it's going to be something else. Right. Like it will be. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we may be as a, as a country, we may be radically more equipped for the next three years because we went through 2020. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like, well, good. We had, we learned a lot of lessons from that. You sure have. There's proof in the pudding right now. There, there are some businesses that are better off because of the, of the COVID experience as much as we didn't want to go through that. And they use that, you know, there was that book a uh, hundred years ago called Who Moved My Cheese, right? It's, it's an opportunity to rethink what we're doing and actually, and actually take the uncertainty and make it be something that makes us better as an organization uh, doing, doing our mission. So I think you're right. I want to encourage people to focus on those things that they can control and, and then let go of those things that they can't control and understand that that could be extreme and do some planning on what that ex- what those extreme circumstances might be like such that you're not in panic mode when you have to do them, if you have to do them. That, that's what I would say. Well, and I feel like the theme of everything you've said is like, okay, what can I control my relationship with the people that are closest to me, my ability to know the status of my flocks, my ability to do good work that serves people, my ability to take care of my body, which is the temple that gave me, and my ability to preserve my connection and relationship with the God of the universe. It's amazing how that list overlays like what I can control those five things overlays almost perfectly with the question, what actually matters? And, right. and so it's like, man, it, that's what I always have to realize. It's like, if I look up, it's like, I'm good. Like stuff, stuff outside might be a little wild, but it's like, I'm good and we're okay. And like, we're going to be okay. And we can control the things that we need to control and everything else we probably shouldn't have been trying to control anyway. Right. So, okay. Final question for you before we go, Mike, how can leaders use this time as a time to live their testimony? So how can leaders use this time as a way to be the embodiment of what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like in such a way that it positively impacts others? Oh, that's so good, Alex, because, you know, you know, I think the two extremes in a leader's life really show the inner character, right? When there's a tragedy or it's really bad or even the opposite, sometimes that's even worse when you come upon unforeseen riches or good fortune, you know, how does that leader respond or communicate and act in that situation? 
It's all about, in my opinion, leading by example. Now's the time, I believe, to be more out front, right? The Bible tells us that there's three types of leaderships. There's, there's, there's times where you need to be above the people in the fray. There's times where you need to be out front uh, of the people and leading them by example. And there's times when you need to be among them uh, to show you're one of them. And we need to show them, you know, we have some real fears right now and there's some uncertainty, but now I think is the time to be out front where Moses was out front, bringing the people to the promised land, leading them, follow me. Now's the time to be out front to show, lead by example, that we're not going to worry, but we are going to plan. That we're going to cast our cares on God's feet, but we're going to do our work to, do, to, to control the things that we think we can control. We're going to look at our expenses. We're going to look at revenue opportunity. We're going to look at our debts to make sure, is there any way we can cut back if we need to? We're going to look at our hiring and our, and our new expenses that are going to come. We're going to look at our real, what are our real life prospects look like for our business? Is the growth that we plan for, is it really there? Or could that go away given what we're hearing, what's happening in the economy and what have you? Mm. We're going to make some uh, tough decisions, but we're going to make some good decisions with a level head and, and we're not going to do it in panicking. I think now's the time for a leader to look at themselves as I'm going to be out front and I'm going to set the tone and I'm going to lead by example. If I'm asking other people, for instance, to work a little bit later because we can't hire as many people as we want because of the uncertainty, then I better be working a little bit later. If I'm going to ask people to look at processes that we can improve, then I'm going to look at my processes. You know, Do I really need leader? Do I really need, uh, I'm making this up, but do I really need a, a, a personal assistant and, and two other people, runners for me? Do I really need a personal driver? I'm making this up, but maybe I can, you know what, I can forego some of this expense right now to show, you know what, now it's time to be tighten our belt a little bit, uh, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. I don't know what it is, but, but lead by example. Now I think is the time to be out front in our leadership. Mm. And I mean, that's a pretty courageous place to be. And it's like, man, the best thing you can do to be able to lead courageously out front is have your act together. And I yeah. think that goes back to the beginning. It's, it's like, I think some people will overlook that advice because it's so simple. And it might be the most important thing we've talked about today is like, have a morning routine where you start your day with prayer and truth. Because man, if you do that and you have, and your nails on that, I feel pretty good about your ability to deal with whatever else comes, which is radically unpredictable. So yeah. Mike, I'm so grateful for your perspective. So grateful for your energy. I'm excited to see you in person in July and for everyone to get to meet you there. But thanks for your time. Thank you, Alex, so much. And I, and I can't wait to see you in just a couple of weeks. Well, I'm so grateful to Mike for his insight, his perspective, and his example. Uh, I say this all the time whenever I'm talking to people about Mike and his influence on my life. He is such a representative of what it looks like to be simultaneously content and growth-oriented. Because there's a lot of people that are content, but they're lazy. And there's a lot of people that are growth-oriented, but they lack contentment. And I think we can look at his perspective of making sure that you have your house in order and then making sure that you're going out into the world around you with a posture of service as probably a core tenet of what it looks like to simultaneously live out both of those virtues. 
Uh, y'all, real quick before we go, if you valued this conversation with Mike and the principles that were within it, we send out written content that's very similar every single Wednesday in an email called Worth It Wednesday. I think that most email isn't worth it. It's not worth your time, not worth your energy. So every week our team tries to send out one that is. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. If you want to get on that email list, you can sign up with the link that's in the show notes or at pathforgrowth.com. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.